Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 87? 88? I think it might be 88. I don't know. Well, hi, guys. Hi, everybody. My name is Brad. I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin Loop. Austin, how you doing? I am excellent. It is 88. It is 88. 88. I knew it. That's two weeks in a row I've gotten it wrong. Get on it, Brad. It's fine. Episode number 88. We are excited to be here. Glad to be back. Jump on our... <laughs> jump on our social media uh facebook instagram twitter patreon.com slash rooted in logos if you want to support us financially to get us through uh, our subscriptions and get some advertising rolling that would be wonderful we'll we'll send you some bracelets we got a lot of them got so many bracelets uh, we we will get to the point where we've got apparel we've got like cool stuff as you sign up for tiers on patreon you know you you'll get a super cool t-shirt or you get a, yeah. a mug or I don't know, maybe we'll do pint glasses or something Hey, like that. there we go. Yeah. Speaking my language. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Thank you guys so much for your continued support, your continued feedback. Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you have a second or Google, whatever the case is. We would love to have some feedback and, and continue to push this thing along. And as we as we move ever closer to our 100th episode, mm-hmm. we, are, we are getting there. Uh, so today... We are going to take a pause of First Timothy chapter 3, and we are going to start looking at some topics that we talked about with Nathan's uh, post a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we are going to talk today about modesty yes. and kind of what that entails. And Austin and I were talking this week, and I'm like, well, I was kind of starting to come at this from like a, here's one reason why we need to be modest is to not spur lust or not to, and he's like, well, that's cool and that's right, but I'm not sure that's where we're going to go. <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's go somewhere else. And so I'm excited to see where this takes us, and, and we're going we're gonna to dive in. First, I want to ask, I already know the answer to this question, but I want to ask this question for you. Okay. Did you watch the Grammys? <laughs> no, but I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> well, here, here's and the I first. And th- I was wanting to bring it up, yeah. because literally, what are we talking about? Right. And that is the complete opposite of what we're literally discussing. Yeah, so it was funny, because uh, I was... Simon and Carter and I were hanging out at some point, and Simon goes, so you guys are going to do like a, a live stream of, of the Grammys where we all react in real time? I'm like, no. I said, but that would be hilarious. Oh, I said, uh, and, and this was before I knew Sam Smith was going to do whatever Sam Smith did. I was re- <laughs> I was really intrigued by the idea of Austin, what, me watching Austin watch Lizzo. Like I was really, <laughs> just to see what his reaction would be. Do you know who Lizzo is? Uh, exactly man that would have made just for a perfect sunday night just to watch austin watch lizzo perform uh and then we we had the added bonus of whatever nonsense sam smith was up to all you would have seen was me taking off my headphones and walking out the door (laughs) (laughs) i'm done so lizzo is a a a musical performer i'm not gonna go so far as to say artist she is a larger woman okay but and, and I'm okay to say that because she celebrates that by wearing very little clothing and, and celebrating her largeness with mm. very little clothing. And her lyrics are just as awful as you would imagine. Wow. Um, and her music is just as awful as you would imagine. But I would have found it very entertaining watching Austin watch Lizzo to see what his reaction would be. <laughs> I would not be watching. That's that's for sure. I know. That's why it's, that's mercy. Why it's a funny, uh, yeah. just a, a funny mental Man. image there. Anyway, anyway, it's so uh, Sam Sam Smith. Yeah, of course I haven't actually watched the performance. I've just seen all the reaction from it. What what are your thoughts on on just kind of the oddity that was right. the Sam Smith epi- or uh, uh, performance? Yeah, I I did not watch the whole the whole 
episode, whatever you want to call it. I, I watched the introduction. There's a woman that introduced him. And the the word that stuck out that she used is beautifully unholy. Yeah. yeah. And well, I'm the like, name of the song's unholy. Unholy, you know, right, yeah. right. But the, the whole part of l- literally your the words you're using are so far removed from each other. Beautiful and unholy. One, okay, looking at Satan himself, the most beautiful creation that that God has ever made uh, that we can see through Scripture. I mean, the most beautiful angel, at least. And he is unholy. Why? Because the word holy means separate. The word holy through in Hebrew yeah. is cut apart. Literally, you're separated from things that are not of God. So holy is God versus unholy is everything that is not of God. And so beautifully unholy, I mean, it's just describing Satan himself. But yeah. but the, the whole point of it uh, that a lot of people are, and really it's the, the, the right wing, which, I mean, we're conservative, mm-hmm. but the far right wing of, you know, it's all about Satan worship and s- celebrating the devil. And it's like, yeah, they're, yeah, I mean, that's, that was some, obvious, yeah. Yeah. but literally that's what every secular pagan person does without knowing. And at least these people know whom they serve. At least these people know who their spiritual father is. So, I mean, at least they're on the right track. Right. But just the the immodest, not just dress, but behavior and action is is so degraded. It's, it's not shocking. I mean, as we see through scripture, it says the end of the days will, will be like the end of the days of Noah and before the flood. And I'm like... If anybody knows what it was like before the flood hit, there was nobody. Like, everybody was some kind of demon, half-demon person, just so evil and wicked. Here, Here's what throws me off about the whole thing. I, kind of like Austin would say, this isn't super shocking because we kind of know... We know what the, the the music industry is about oh, yeah. on that side of things. We know what Hollywood's about, and, and we know you know you, you can dive into conspiracy theories and, and all that about Illuminati and and all that jazz and, and whatever. But we know that they are about self worship and mm-hmm. self uh, uh, adulation and self grandeur. Yeah, and what what throws me off more not throws me off, but what I guess frustrates me more than any of it is all of the Christian artists. Which, by the way, I think there are two categories for christian music at the grammys really though those awards are given out before the broadcast starts never shown on television yeah they don't get any performances of any sort and 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 look we i have my issues with christian music don't get me wrong what 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 gets me is they allow this to be on the television they celebrate it i mean they celebrate it they they that was such a beautiful performance it was it was wonderful it was riveting it was so artistic whatever and they they try to make it just seem a lot more than what it was they wouldn't be caught dead letting toby mack up there and perform oh no No, no. wouldn't be caught dead doing that and and honestly like musically and lyrically he's better Right, like I mean, mm-hmm. just from a performance standpoint, his oh, performance yeah. would be well or would be loved by more people than that was. Oh yeah, but they're in it for the shock. They're in it for the and and I think I've talked about. It. I'm a lyrics guy. Lo- yeah. uh, music for me, I, I like the music. I like all the instruments. I like it when it sounds great. Yeah, but if the lyrics are terrible, I'm gonna hate the song. Yeah, 
and, and I'm that. That's why I don't like rap much. I actually don't mind the style of rap. I hate the lyrics. I hate mm. what they talk about. Just listen to a couple of the lyrics from Unholy, and, <sighs> and just let, let me just show you kind of what they're celebrating while completely shunning. If if Toby Mac got up there and performed, which I, the only reason why I keep bringing him up is because I, I saw that he was nominated and he was at the Grammys with his son. That's the only reason why I keep bringing him up. And oh, really? is the first thing I think of. If they got him up there and he sang one of his songs and performed one of his songs that was Christ-centered and overtly Christ-centered, okay? Not just like a one of his songs that's like, oh, this might be about God. It might not be. I don't know. It's kind of vague. But like an overtly Christ-centered song. And he performed it, and it was on national television. It would be a controversy for two weeks. Yeah. For two weeks straight, people would talk about saying, why in the world would they let this guy in there? He's closed-minded. He's bigoted. He's homophobic. He's this. He's a white supremacist. He's that. He's whatever. Yeah. He's appropriating the culture because he does kind of hip-hop. Like, like, it would be a two-week thing. Oh, yeah. News story about how terrible he is. Yet, we're okay with this. Meanwhile. We're okay with what Sam Smith did on the stage. We're okay with what a lot of these other artists have done. I don't care. Katy Perry did one a few years back with her, uh, I, I don't know the name of the song the song that she ripped off from lecrae that's a different story oh. but where she took the sample and anyway uh <laughs> well so, yeah this song is is but here's the lyrics that they're they're talking about here it, it the mummy don't know daddy's getting hot at the body shop doing something unholy she got married to a boy like you she'd kick you out if she ever ever knew but about all the blank you tell me that you do dirty dirty boy it's is we're, it, we're, we're it, okay with th- those lyrics on national television, isn't this, it's a gay song. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 uh, it's gross. Uh, I'm not going to keep reading it. No, don't. but I will say don't. this: there are. This is what cracks me up too. <laughs> I love seeing how many people it takes to write one of these songs. Oh gosh, seven people it took seven people to write this song. Mm. How many people did it take to write Bohemian Rhapsody? One of the best rock songs ever written. One. One person. Anyway, anyway, we've lost our artistry. All well, that to and, say, please, like, and I guess to parents and yourself even, but for me, as as adults, you can make your own decisions, and I would push you to make good decisions, but like you're an adult. But as kids or as parents, like, look at the lyrics your kids are listening. This is like the num- This is a hugely popular song. Um, I don't think it won anything. Oh yeah, it did. Of it, it, it did. won for best pop duo group performance. Yeah, of course it did. So. Okay, here's here's the thing. Emily and I, we talk about this a lot. Art throughout history. How does Satan take over the culture? Through art. Literally look throughout history and look how art has changed towards just paganism. And it starts with art. And literally go back to like Mar- Michelangelo and all that type of stuff. Like beautiful, beautiful stuff. But what is he painting? He's painting painting naked people. Um, naked women, naked men. I mean, sculptures, right. naked everything. Literally, they they sculpt <laughs> the naked human body. Right. And it's like, okay, yes, it's a it's a very beautiful thing, but literally, this is immodesty. The, this song, the father of the the children mm-hmm. should be able to look at his children and say, no, you are not allowed to listen to this garbage. And as long as I'm I'm living and breathing, n- no. The answer yeah. is no. I and as controlling as that may sound, that's literally his job. Yeah. And, and I am not a. I used to be, but I am not a like Christian music only in this household kind of person. And I wouldn't be that way with my with my kids. But like, we, there's got to be boundaries. Well, and the crap <laughs> that's on the on on the 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 Grammys and stuff. Look, 
Chris Stapleton. Yeah, let's listen to Chris Stapleton. Most of his songs are fine. Every now and then I might skip one because it's got, you know, good good stuff. Yeah. Just good music. Yeah. This this is not that. Like, this is... Yeah. This is something that, as parents, you should be like, you are not listening to this. You Mm -hmm. are... I'm going to make sure I understand what you're listening to and read the lyrics to what you're listening to. Yes. Well, and that's... Again, going back to the father, the father having control, the tro- control over the house and what enters the house. And when you let this kind of music, and I'm speaking to mothers too, when you let this kind of music into your home, you're literally opening a door to let evil in. Real quick. Yeah. I just want to go, and we're going to move on from this topic, and we're going to go on to our actual topic. Okay. Do you remember a few weeks back, we talked about, and this controversy lasted for about two days and then it went away. But about this clothing brand, Balenciaga, yes, that was doing uh, the child, basically child BDSM, yeah, uh, photo shoots, yeah. Lyric: Give me love, give me Fendi, my Balenciaga daddy. Yep. So he is mentioning this. I mean, it, celebrating sexualizing our kids. Yeah, that is what these these this, this stuff does. Mm-hmm. That is what, whether overtly or or subtly doing. Yeah, they're sexualizing your kids. Yeah, with these lyrics, Balenciaga. Okay, kid, here's that. What's that? And they start looking like, oh, this is really cool. They start looking, they see these photos, they see these things, they're like, oh, that's what I should be doing, or that's what I... (sighs) You are literally opening the door for sin to flow in through their ears into your home. Yep. And and you you cut it off. Yep. Don't don't uh, listen to this stuff. It's evil. It's evil. Crazy that we're celebrating this. Uh, I didn't watch it. No. Well, (laughs) and, and yeah, I... I, what I listened to was the, the woman introduce Sam Smith. Yeah. And it was interesting because she would, it's like she's talking and expecting them to be cheering and nobody cheers. And she's, she stops and she looks around. She's like, no, you're supposed to cheer now. And so like everyone, everyone erupts. And it's like, it's so, so forced. Yeah. Like even within that realm that, Looking at scripture, looking at how God has imprinted on everyone the, the conscience, right? Right. Now, we know a lot of them, their consciences are seared, but I, I don't believe everyone in that room, I don't believe that everyone's consciences are seared yet. There, I, I still believe that there are people in there that either A, they're, they're gods, and he will, he will get them because they're his, but to the point where she can be going on and on about all this stuff and talking about stuff that's beautifully unholy and have to stop because everyone's just like, what? And she's like, no, you're supposed to be cheering. And so they're all, they all cheer. It's yeah. just so forced. And it's just like, man, this is, it. I mean, but again, going back to art, you can tell the degradation of a society by the art. And you can go back the past several hundred years and see how far we've come. Going all the way back to the Puritans, looking at the art of that time, and go all the way to today and look at literally the art we want everyone watched on the Grammys. Well, I, I hear one of the guys I listened to, um, well, a bunch of them say it, but the first person I heard say it was Andrew Claven from The Daily Wire, that politics is downstream from culture. Yep. And where how the culture goes, there the government and the politics of that culture goes. And I don't think it's any surprise that as we have seen this quote-unquote art take over, this this style of music, and, and again, it's not about the music itself. It's not about the, the the beat. It's not about the instruments. I I love all kinds of music. I am not. I to me, in my mind, music itself is amoral. Like there's nothing immoral about a minor chord, about an electric guitar, about a drum, about a bass. Nothing more about that. 
it's the lyrics that 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 make it moral or, or immoral. Yeah. And as we have seen, just this decline in morality when it comes to our music, when it the over sexualization of our music. I mean, it is gross. It is disgusting. Rampant. I mean, you look at those lyrics, you're like, what? burn my eyes out. The the father left his kids at home. Like that was a lyric in that song. Yeah. So she, so he could do whatever he was mm-hmm. doing, right? Like unholy. It's it's atrocious. And as we have seen that take hold. And really get put into our culture through the Grammys and through these award shows. It's no wonder our country has has gone the route of trying to normalize pedophilia. Yeah. Trying to normalize kids having sex at 13 years old. Try to normalize transgenderism in, yeah. in children, right? At five. It was no wonder. Getting into today's topic, getting into the episode of modesty. As we go further, you're going to be like, I, I thought you were supposed to be talking about modesty. We are, but we're talking about the root of it and, and why we talked about this for a little bit this morning, it it goes into what we're talking about today. And it's a big issue. So before we do that, I want to go into, I want to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now we're going to be talking about women and men today, but since we were going through Timothy, we're going to be talking about about women. Well, let me, let me just, let me just start with the dictionary definition of the word modesty. All right. Wait, which dictionary and at what, what year? Is this definition? I don't know. It's the first thing that pops up when I Google definition of modesty. We got to do like a what? Yeah. Full disclosure. All right. <laughs> we got to do an older one too. Okay, here we go. I like this. The third definition here: behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety and indecency. So that is the definition of modesty as given to us by Dictionary.com or, or the Oxford Dictionary. A couple other ones: quality, state of being unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities; the quality of being relatively moderate, limited, or small in amount, rate, or level. That those are two that that yes, that is what that word can mean as well. Because in the English language, we have fifteen meanings for one word typically. But for our purposes, that third one is actually probably the best one: behavior, manner, or appearance intended to avoid impropriety or indecency. So modesty forbade her to undress in front of so many people. So like there, there's that kind of, that's the definition we're kind of going to be working with. Of course, we're going to go biblical, but it's just what we have it as in our language. Yeah. So here's the, the modesty definition from like the 1500s. Uh, not improper or lewd, pure in thought and conduct. A female attire, not gaudy or showy of demands, not excessive or extreme. Modesty is an attitude of humility and decency in dress, grooming, language, and behavior. Yes. Modesty is just not how you dress or present yourself physically, but it is your action. Are you modest in action? Are you modest in thought? Are you modest in your spiritual life? Literally, is an, is it, it is an aspect of your entire life. Right. And so... So Timothy, Timothy chapter two, verse nine, it says, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, uh, not with braided hair, gold or pearls or costly attire. I want to look at the, the heart issue of modesty today. We're going to be looking at the, the literal physical clothing side at a different episode mm-hmm. where we're going to go through scripture and look at covering throughout scripture where it's mentioned. But today I want to I want to look at the heart of the issue. And so I want to look at a few of these words. Number 1 adorn. So the Greek word for adorn is cosmio. It's where we get cosmetics. Cosmetics, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and so it's to adorn, to arrange or I put in order, I decorate 
adorn. Paul is telling Timothy to tell these women to adorn themselves. A lot of people read through that and say, oh, well, they're, they're supposed to look frumpy. They're supposed to look, make themselves look ugly and plain. It's like, well, no, that's, right. that's not what it's saying. He's telling Timothy to tell these women to adorn themselves, to arrange themselves, to put modest attire on, to not look frumpy, not look ugly. You are a steward of your body. As we see through scripture, your body's not your own. He bought it with a price. Your body is a holy temple. You are to adorn your body modestly, but you're supposed to adorn your body as, this is an image of God. Right. I am going to do well by it. I'm not going to make it look ugly. I'm not going to make it so that people don't even want to look at me. <laughs> but but it's supposed to be done modestly. So And, and orderly. We talk about it all the time. Yes. God being a God of order. Well- and, and, Well-ordered, put together. Yeah. So that's the next word, from adorned to respectable. The the word is cosmios, where we get the word cosmos, as in the the cosmos. It's orderly, virtuous, decent, modest, or well-ordered. If you look up in the cosmos, literally God hung everything where it is. He put it where he wanted it. He ordered it the way it is. And Paul is telling Timothy to tell these women to be respectable in their apparel, to adorn themselves in respectable apparel. And that means to be well-ordered, to adorn your bodies in the apparel that shows that, yes, I'm not gaudy. I don't want to put myself above God. I don't want to put myself above the creator of the cosmos. But I also want to show that this is the image of God. And I want to show that this is also the temple of the Most High God. And when we look back throughout the Old Testament, how was the temple created? God came to David and said, this is what I want my temple to look like. Beforehand, he went talking to Moses, I want the tabernacle to look like this. This, this, and literally just go back and read it on how detailed God wanted it. Yeah. And then even when he's talking to Moses about the way he wants the high priest to dress, it was very specific. And he was adorned in respectable apparel, all the way to the the breastplate of having the 12 stones on his chest. It was very specific, but it was also not frumpy. Right. Uh, And I, I keep using that word, but frumpiness, talking about just not caring. And we're going to be talking about that a lot today. Not caring caring or having this attitude of not caring. Well, you're supposed to care, especially as Christians. We're supposed to care about a lot of things. Right. And caring about how we look is important, but then not crossing that line of that's all you care about. Everything is a balance, right? It is a balance. Everything's yeah. a balance. And well, even looking at like Noah and, and the instructions that he was given to build the ark were very specific. Yes. God throughout scripture especially in the Old Testament, but throughout Scripture as a whole, shows time and time again that he is a God of order, not a God of chaos, not a God of, of just willy-nilly, let's just do whatever. Like yeah. it's, an, it's an orderly thing that he has created for us, mm-hmm. and he wants us to then be orderly in yeah. how we dress and how we act and how we live our lives and, and to not be agents of chaos and not be agents of... And that can take the form of how you dress. It can take the form of how you behave. Agents being an agent of chaos yeah. can be all of those things. We see that with Sam Smith. Just the the lewd, the immodest, this just the the dress 
or it wasn't. I don't even know what it was. It was awful. <laughs> Ever weird. Literally everything opposite of God. Right. But yeah, modesty. The word modesty in the Greek is aidak, but it's spelled A-I-D-O-S. Uh, adiak. It's a sense of shame. So when it says... Isn't that adios? <laughs> I know. But I, I also <laughs> I wrote down how you phonetically sound okay, it, just it. in case. Yeah. <laughs> no, it says, adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. So this sense of modesty is a sense of shame. As in, when you're dressing yourself... Okay, we go back to the story of Noah. When Noah plants uh, a vineyard and he gets new wine and he's drinking it and it's just, it was too much. It was too much at that time. And he passed out, but he passed out naked in his tent. Mm-hmm. And so the one of his sons come in and he, he laughs and he goes out and tells his other brothers, hey dude, dad's, <laughs> dad's naked and he's passed out drunk on the floor in the tent. He's laughing right. and it and it's a shameful thing. And so the other boys come, walk backwards, put a blanket over him. And what happens next? Well, the son that laughs is the one that gets cursed. There, There's a sense of shame when it comes to nakedness. Going back to the Garden of Eden, when they realized they were naked, they were ashamed and they covered it up. Even though talking about shame, talking about how God created us the way we are, God had them naked for a reason and they didn't know it, but everything was fine. And now that they knew that they were naked, for some reason, it was a shameful thing, which we'll, we'll talk about that more later. But talking about modesty, it's a sense of shame about, I don't want to show cleavage because I have a sense of shame. Not that your body is a shameful thing. It is a very beautiful thing, but it is purposeful for something, which again, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get too much in right now, but anyway, so next is self-control. Self-control, the, the Greek word is sophrosune. Sophrosune is soundness of mind, sanity, and sobriety. Self-control is a huge topic throughout scripture mm-hmm. uh, for both men and women. Being self-controlled is being sound of mind. And being able to adorn yourself with self-control. And that's where, when you have someone who's dressing gaudy, and going back to not braiding your hair with gold, you know, you're doing these intricate braids with golden strands and silver strands and pearls, and just making yourself... Well, it's flaunting your wealth. Yeah, that too. Flaunting your... Your good looks and and in a vain way. Yeah. Not in a it's a self I'm taking way. care of myself way, but just in a vain way of like I look look at me. Look look at how well put together I actually am. Look at how much money I have. Look at these yeah. nice clothes clothes I can afford. I don't want you to hear what we're not saying, or maybe Austin is saying this, I don't think he is. But I don't uh there is nothing wrong with looking nice. I mean Austin and his family look very well put together on Sunday mornings at church. Not that you don't now. But you know what I mean. Like it, it it's they are presenting themselves and they look nice. They're getting dressed up and they're and when you go on your a date with your wife and you guys get dressed up and you look pretty and you do a little bit more makeup or you do a little bit more to your hair or man you smell a little bit better. Like there's nothing wrong with that. We're not talking about looking nice, getting dressed up to go on a date, getting dressed up to go out or, or, or go to prom or go to whatever. Like we're not talking about that necessarily. It, it's all about the heart issue behind it. Mm-hmm. And is this a pattern of behavior where you are being immodest in these areas? Yes. Men and women both, because men can be immodest as well. 
Yeah. With their dress and with their behavior and with their mentality. So, yeah, it, it's not, this is not a don't ever look super nice to go on a date. Don't ever look super nice to go to prom or go to a wedding or whatever. That, that, that's not what this is. Yeah. It is a mindset. It is a, do you have a pattern of behavior that says, hey, look at me. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's adorn yourself in respectable apparel. As in, yes, you are a steward of this body. God has given it to you, but it's also a holy temple. So you are to present yourself well. Like, yeah, like Brad said, if you see us at church, I, I wear a suit. Like Easter, okay. <laughs> yeah, Talking yeah, about like Passover weekend and stuff like that. I, I'll, I'll throw a vest on. So now I have a three-piece suit on. And Emily dresses very well. She's beautiful. It's my <laughs> wife, so. <laughs> but but it's, it's very respectful. Very respectable, and with my children the same way. One of the reasons is because we believe in presenting our best to God. Um, that's also a form of worship. But yeah, even going out, oh, going on dinner dates or whatever it may be, going to a gala, right. you are presenting yourself well. And this is not a frumpiness type deal. This is not, oh, well, I'm a Christian now, and I'm I'm housing the Holy Spirit, so I, I have to look super plain. It's like, no, it's... You, and we said this when we were going through Timothy, of even for women of wearing makeup, the point of what makeup is to accentuate certain parts of your body, like your eyes, make your eyes pop, your lips pop. There, There is a, a place and time for that. So I, yeah, I'm definitely not saying don't ever wear makeup, <laughs> but don't paint your face to where you are covering up the way that God made you. Right. You are pointing out things that God made. That That's the point of makeup, but when you go too far then you're covering up things that God gave you. Talking about clothing, covering up things that God gave you. Uh, I, I love it. hearing this of going back to the garden, and when Adam and Eve realized they were naked, so they covered. They sewed together fig leaves, and they covered up just the, I guess you could call the important parts. And, well, the parts that nowadays we would consider sexualized parts. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it, basically they were wearing thongs. Like, Adam was wearing a thong, Eva was wearing a thong, and then she had something up top. And... Never thought the word thong would be used on our podcast. Right. But here we are, four there times. There it is. Now. There it is. And <laughs> I love it. So, God is the first father in history that looked at his children and said, uh, no. <laughs> no, ma'am. No. No, sir. <laughs> and, and it's not a, you go back to your room and get dressed. It's, I'm going to dress you, because that's not right. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about it more, but... The, the Hebrew word for dress there, when, when God clothes Adam and Eve, it is a shoulder-to-pass-the-knee type clothing. It is not a, okay, I'll take away your little clothing, and I'm going to put a little clothing on. I'm going to put basically bikini on Eve and a little swimsuit on Adam. No, he covered them from shoulder-past-the-knee, and we need to learn from that. So again, we'll talk about that later. But the point is, God the Father covered his children the way that they needed to be covered. And so this leads into the conversation of today. This leads us to what is one of the biggest roots of immodesty? What What is one of the biggest causes of immodesty? And my conception, my understanding of all this going through scripture is it's a lack of fathers. So let's, let's crack that open a little bit. Fathers dealing with their sons, dealing with their daughters. And again, looking back at God, what did he do with his children? He covered them before they went out. He covered them, and, and we need to learn from this. And look at how 
us fathers are treating our children mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And the relationships between our sons and our daughters to the father are, are going to be different. But, man, this is such an immense thing. Uh, so, looking at daughters at, as a father. When your your daughters are young and they need that that physical touch, they need that love, they need that to be able to hop up on your lap and you just hold them and cuddle them. A sign that shows that your daughters are not getting enough love from a father is when your young daughter of like, I'd say probably like five to seven year age, is whenever a man is coming to your house, they constantly hop up on that other man's lap all the time. And it's this this sense of, okay, well, my father's not giving me this physical touch and this physical attention, so I'm going to go to somebody else for it. And that's an issue. That is a major issue. What, and, a, what an interesting thing that to... Or uh, an interesting observation too, because you, you, it makes total sense. You can see that play out as they get older. Yes. Right. Like you can absolutely see where it leads from from that, which is probably very innocent and and very like, I just want to you know want to want a hug. I want you know yeah. want to. And it's just, a desire. It's yeah. a desire that's knit into women. Yeah. At a very young age, and we can see it. And then it morphs, <laughs> and it and it transforms when the dad isn't affectionate and when the dad isn't. Yeah doing what he needs to be doing. Yeah. And I mean, this, again, this gets into so many topics, but trying to, to hone in on this of, uh, I mean, okay, the whole masculinity type deals and which we're going to talk about, but how men are supposed to be masculine. Men are supposed to be hard. Men are supposed to be this way because God built us this way. We're supposed to fight. We're supposed to win the girl. We're supposed to protect. But there is a time where we are supposed to be emotionally vulnerable. Not in the sense that the world wants us to be emotionally vulnerable and turn us effeminate and turn us feminine, but when it gets into our children, when it gets to our daughters, this battle-hardened, calloused man that comes and sets his sword and shield down and then picks up his little girl and loves on Mm -hmm. her is a godly thing. And when you have a little girl that does not get the affection that she needs from her father, and this is specific to the father, not just the mother. The mother could be sitting down and and cuddling with her. But when the father does not, this woman then grows up to then search for that physical attention. And things change. You can take it beyond the spiritual side of this and look at the, the research and the studies done on brain development and brain structure, physical brain structures. And you can see where the physical difference between someone who was nurtured and loved by their dads and, yes. and by both parents versus someone who wasn't. You yeah. can see the physical, not just take away the spirituals, which you can't, but I'm just saying like, if you look beyond that and look at that physical structure of the brain, it's different. Their mm-hmm. physical brain structure is different. And on top of that, you can look at their behavior, and their behavior becomes different. Not to say that everyone who was loved perfectly by their dad turns out fine or whatever. Not, not right. to say that. Of course, there's choices and, and, and directions that they take that probably go against, that go against what their father taught them. Yeah. But I'm just saying as a general rule, you could probably be like, man, that if you go back deep enough, it's, it's so cliche to say this, but there's daddy issues. Like If you go back deep enough, there's probably someone who's promiscuous throughout their teenage years and even into their adult years. There's probably more daddy issues than someone who isn't. Yeah, and it, and it, it again, it sounds cliche, but it's kind of cliche for a reason, right? <laughs> like yeah. it makes sense if yeah. you think about it. Well, and there are exceptions to the rule, which we'll, we'll talk about of too. But when this this young girl is growing up, wanting that physical attention, 
and she's not getting it. Even if, okay, her father's not giving it to her, so other men are coming over, and she's not getting it from them. She hops on their lap, and it's getting annoying. And this isn't coming from just me. Like, yes, I, I've been able to witness this, but this this is a very common thing, and a lot of people have written about this. Right. Then you get to this point where this little girl starts to become a woman. Her body starts to change. So now she is actually physically attractive. So now when she's going out and looking for that, now she has young she's, men who are giving it to yeah, her. she's going to get it. And willingly giving it to yeah. her. And it's interesting because this woman grows up. Okay, say she gets married. Say she has children. Now, a lot of times, this is the woman that is not going to want to give that type of love to her children. Not as a, I didn't get it, so I'm not going to give it to you. But it is a mental thing of your kids come and hop up in your lap. And you're like, ah, just don't touch me. Just give me my space. And again, there's there are exceptions to the rule. But that is that is the rule. That right. That's what happens. And again, this all comes back to fathers. Now, before I go further, there is a distinction. When, yes, you can look at the root of the issue as in lack of father, or you have a, had a father, but he just didn't do what he was supposed to do, so you blame him. And it's like, okay, there's a side of that, but as Christians, we take responsibility. Of course. And it's over and done with, so now we, we go to our true father. We, we go to our Heavenly Father with all of this, and we, we have to proceed from there, which, again, we're, we're progressing, we're talking <laughs> about this, but going back a little bit, looking at... Okay, the relationship with the father and the daughter. You have two sides of this. You have the father who treats his daughter like a princess. Pretty, pretty princess. Whatever you want, I'll do whatever you want. Here's this. I, I'll get you whatever you need. Um, treat you like you can't get dirt under your fingernails. And what does that produce? It produces a high-maintenance woman. <laughs> And that is not a good thing either. What is what is the word we've used a couple times today? Balance. Balance. It is a balance. Everything in life is a balance of some sort. I call it the beauty and the beast. Yeah. Of you treat your, your little girl like a princess, telling her she's beautiful all the time. You're beautiful. You're pretty no matter what. Go, going on and on, which is important. Fathers, you need to tell your daughters that they are beautiful. And you need to love them like this. But... If you do this too much, if you're you're just going on and on about how beautiful and how pretty she is and she deserves the best, you are creating a monster. A monster that any man is not going to want. The only side that he's going to want is her physical side. Right. And he is only going to want her for the for the sex side of it. He is not going to want her for the emotional and the relationship side because her neediness and her sense of I need to be told I'm pretty all the time, and if you don't give me that, I'm going to find it somewhere else. So fathers, do not create that monster. Do not create the beauty monster, okay? But then the other side of it, the beast, you don't tell your little girl she's pretty. You don't love her the way that she's supposed to, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Say you are, okay, you're looking at your daughter as, okay, well, she's smart, so I'll, just, I'll tell her she's smart, you know? Uh, you're really good at school, you're really good at this kind of stuff. You're, you're smart, stick, stick to that. Okay, it might be true, but you're also creating a monster in that as well. She's not, like we talked about earlier, she's not getting that physical love and touch from her father right. to now she's looking for it somewhere else. 
And again, you have exceptions to the rule, but the rule being she's looking for that physical touch from another man and she's going to get it. So we have to find that balance. Fathers need to find that balance. Now, we, we will also talk about when the father is not there. As single mothers, single mothers, what do you do? Because th- this is, again, an immense topic. Yeah, because obviously, obviously there are single mothers out there within obviously, our church. Yes. And within, yeah, like it, it is, that's an issue. Yeah, and I, I have answers for you. They, they might not be answers that you want, but they're biblical answers. And, uh, I, I've seen this, okay? I've, I've, I've witnessed this. I've, I've been front row to this. Women who, who don't have the, the fathers that they needed and single mothers that do not have the husbands or the husbands are alive, but they're just not there. So what do you do with your children? And, and this could come from a sense of hurt. You know, the, the woman was hurt from the man, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. And so there's this fear of man, of men. There needs to be a healthy fear as in, okay, I need to know what's going on. Right. You know what's going on in the world. You, you know the evil. You're aware of the evil men in the world, and that is an important thing. But the answer is within the church. It is. The answer is godly men within the church. And if, if you do not have a husband, either an active husband, or he's just not there at all, so your children don't have anything, you need to find godly men in the church to have your children around. That is a biblical important thing. Literally, the job of the older men in the church going to Timothy, it's or even going to Titus too. The job of the older men is to teach the younger men how to be self-controlled, how to, if they don't have the father, how to win the woman, you know, how to fight for a godly woman, how to raise godly children. The point of the older women in the church are to teach the younger women how to love their husbands, how to love their children. And if you don't have a father to teach your children these things. You need to find godly men in the church that you can trust with this. And being able to trust God, to give this to God saying, okay, Lord, I'm afraid. I am fearful of men. I am fearful of the evil in the world. I need a man that I can trust with my children that can, going to Ephesians 6, 4, raise them in the Paideia Nuthesia of the Lord if you don't have a husband. And that could be a, an elder in the church. Now, okay, let me pause there. What <laughs> Don't hear what I'm not saying of just going to the church, find a random man, and put your children with him. No. Yeah. Even when it gets into what we're talking about, elder qualifications, pastor qualifications. This isn't you look at a man and think, oh, yeah, he'll be a great elder. Hey, you're our, our next elder. Boom, it's done. No. It should be like a year-long process. It should be a process of you are physically scrutinizing, looking at his life, saying, okay, does he meet these qualifications? And women, you you could go to these qualifications, being like, okay, does this man fit the qualifications? Even if he's not an elder, does he fit them? And being like, okay, I can trust my children with this man, and my this man can pour into these children. That is the job of the church. That is the job of the men in the church. When you... Well, what does Jesus say a lot? Take care of the widows and orphans. Yes, that's I mean, our that, job. And not to say that single moms' kids are orphans, because they're not, obviously. But, like, taking care of the women and the children in the church, especially women and children who don't have a husband or father. Yes. 
being that surrogate almost of, of saying, look, I understand I'm not your husband. I'm not your kid's father, but I want to help. I want to pour into them, bring them up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and learn how to treat the women, like learn, teach the young boys how to treat the women, Te- teach yeah. the young boys how to, how to be gentle and teach the young ladies their value and their worth and, and, and what they, you know, what they need to do to, to break the cycle. And, and, and yeah. not to say that, that like every single mom, it's their fault. Cause it's not obviously, I mean, breaking the cycle of, of, of that single parent yeah. of like saying, okay, I love my mom. I love my dad. They were single. They did what they could and they were amazing. And they found these people to pour into me and it, it was wonderful. And they, they did everything and I wouldn't change it for the world, but also I want a little bit more for my family. And so I want to make sure I'm there for my kids and make yeah. sure that my husband or my wife or whoever, the mother, father of my kids are, or is also going to be there in that way. Because again, no matter what situation you find yourself in, whether it's your fault or not, the best way to raise children is in a husband and wife marriage. Yes. <clears throat> that's the design. That's what it was made. That, that's how we were made to, to, to live and how we were made to raise our families. Granted, it doesn't happen all the time. I right. mean, I'm a product of divorce. Like it, that, that's not uncommon, obviously. Yeah. And, and that's again, neither here, we're not putting blame on anybody. What we're saying is the ideal situation is husband and father mm-hmm. or husband and wife. Wow. That's not Stop right. It. That's not the ideal situation, <laughs> but the ideal situation is husband and wife raising a family together. And if you can break that cycle with your kids, that that'd be, that, that's the way to go. Yeah. And, and again, finding a ma- because the relationship between a mother and a son is, is so different than a mother and a daughter. Okay. At some point, you're going to buck heads. Granted, with all your kids, yes, but more so with your son because the son has that innate desire to rule. That is his God-given innate desire. He is to be a head of the house. And when there is not another head of the house like a father, then that young boy starts to want to take that role. And as the mother, you're the head of the house because the father's not there. So you have to take that control. And at some point, it's going to be very, very difficult unless you can have a godly man that is able to come along your, your, alongside your son and do what he's supposed to, to, to teach that boy, this is how you treat a woman. This is how you treat a girl. This is literally going back to Paul. Paul in Corinthians talking to the Corinthians saying, you had so many guardians in the faith. You have, you have elders in the faith, whatever, but you did not have fathers. So I became to you as a father. To have these men in the church come alongside your, your sons and your daughters, being like, I am becoming a father to you. I'm becoming that father figure. I'm not your physical father, but I will treat you as such. Mm-hmm. And I will, tre- I will teach you how to treat women to respect them. But I'm going to teach you how to take your authority and do it biblically. And the, again, there's so much behind this. But for, for me, the, biblically, this is the answer. This is the answer. If you don't have a husband, it is men within the church. And again, this is not any random man. Do your research. Right. <laughs> biblically, look at it, yeah. pray, go to the pastor, go to the youth pastor. I mean, kudos to our, our youth pastor. Um, Simon is amazing at this. He can't quite pour into all the kids this way, but being able to go to him and talk to him about this, I would start there. And having him being able to help you with the research, being like, okay, I know the men in this church. I know who's better suited and qualified for this. Go talk to him. Or 
I will go with you and we will talk to him together. Or I'll talk to him separate, whatever. That is important too. We, ha- we have to have this now. We see the fruitlessness of the lack of fathers for centuries. Again, going back to Paul, this was an issue during his time. There was a lack of fathers in his time as well. And it has always been that way. Why? Because sin. Because we live in a fallen world. Because men don't want to take their role. Because women want to take the man's role. And it's an issue. And if... Okay, this is going to be a very difficult thing. Okay? To take charge of this. To teach our children this. And this is something that we will probably not see fruit in for one to probably two generations. As in, me teaching my children... Okay, my children being the next generation. And I I, I will see fruit from that. I I see fruit from that already, but I will not see the fruit that I'm wanting until I'm dead. Or I probably won't see it at all. Because it will be my grandchildren growing up and raising their children the way they're supposed to. It will be your grandchildren growing up, raising their children the way that they're supposed to. But that's the point. Playing the long game. The, The point is, I am planting trees, I'm planting fruit trees that I will never eat the fruit. Right. And... The awesome thing is, I am so okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a tree fan anyway, so I, right. I just I just love to see the growth. I am okay if I never get to eat the fruit. But knowing that my grandchildren will brings a joy to me that I, I can't even express. That That is important. Okay, so let's back up again. <laughs> because there, there's so much here. Going to the dynamic of men and women, which again, we're going to be talking about extensively throughout the next couple weeks. When man was created... He was created because he was wanted. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit wanted to create man in their image, and so man was wanted. Therefore, he was created. Women, Eve, was created because she was needed. Now, don't hear me say because she wasn't wanted as well, because if she wasn't wanted, God would not have created her. But the point being is, after Adam looked at every single animal, saw how every animal had a pair and he named every single animal, then God said the first thing that was not good in creation was that man was alone. Everything else, when God created it, he said, this is good. This is good. And it's not our form of good as, oh yeah, this is good. This is, this drink is good. But no, when God said something is good, it was perfect. Perfect, yeah. And when he looked at Adam being alone, he said, this is less than perfect. This is not good. And so what does he do? He created Eve. And not just created, he fashioned her. Not just because she was wanted, because she was needed. Now, the fall hits. What happens? Men want to be needed. Women need to be wanted. And we have this complete opposite flip. And this is where we get a lot of our issues. Men need to have this sense of we're needed, okay? If we don't, if we don't feel like we're needed, we feel worthless. But that's the opposite of what's going on. Women, they need to be wanted. And again, just this complete polar opposite of what our roles are supposed to be. And so when you have a woman who is growing up, again, going back to this, the, the father not giving them the, the love they needed, Women, how do I put this? They adapt to the man they're with. When you have a woman who is with a just self-aggrandizing jerk, she is going to adapt to that. She's going to want to please that. And you're going to see that. Versus when the woman is with a godly man, she is going to adapt to that and she's going to flourish. And it gets gets into so many things. I'm trying to determine where we're going 
Um, I, I know where I'm going, but I don't want to go too far in certain you things. Have, you're on, uh, just for some clarity here, you, you have his notebook here, and, and yeah. he has, how many pages are on this topic for you? So I have bullet points. You have bullet points. I have bullet points so that I don't go too far on too many things. Okay. Because um, I feel like we haven't turned a page yet. <laughs> we haven't, which is good. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. So we'll stop there because, again, we're, we're going to be going deeper into a lot of these a lot of these topics. So we started this with modesty. Yes. And we have sort of not done a ton of modesty in the last few minutes, which is okay because that's kind of how we do things. But it does. I like what Austin says. This gets to the root of the problem, the heart yes. of the issue, in that a lot of these immodest behaviors, whether that's with their clothing, with their speech, with their behavior, men and women both, it is because a lack of fathers, a lack of, of leadership in the home. And again, you, you go to men who disrespect women, who don't treat women well. Yeah. What is probably going to be the majority of their issues? They didn't have a dad to show them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's the same with women who are promiscuous in their early early years and who are constantly seeking men's affection and love and physical touch and, and craving that in an unhealthy sense. What is most likely the issue going back to? It goes back to their dad. Yeah. So that's why we went down this little bit of a rabbit trail with fathers is that you all set the tone for your kids lives the rest of their lives and that's not to say that a single mom can't raise respectable men and respectable young ladies like that that is not saying that at all Mm because you can but those are exceptions those are exceptions to the rule exactly you when if if you are offended by us saying this and you say well i'm raising great kids if you are thank god then you are yes you are commendable like you are to be commended because yes you are you are doing something that is not normal. And so we're not saying so don't take offense because no. you are the exception to the rule. We freely grant that it is possible. It is possible. It just doesn't happen very often. It does not. <laughs> so single moms again, if you are raising your kids to be godly kids, young men, young women, man, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And you are bucking the trend. You are going against the grain in that. Because you look at Crime statistics, you look at poverty statistics, you look at domestic abuse statistics, and the vast majority, not all, because again, there are always exceptions to rules, but the vast majority go back to their dad and see what that relationship was like, and you'll probably find the root of the issue. Yeah. Probably. Probably, yeah. Okay, so let's get into, uh, I guess, a scenario of, okay, the father is present, okay, and and, and in all intents and purposes, he's he's a pretty good, good father, you know? You're a good, good father. Who you are? Don't, don't, just don't. Who you are? Anyway, <laughs> don't you dare say who he. Wait, 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 fuck. I don't um, like that a lot. <laughs> so, you, the father is raising his daughter and the tomboy. Okay, let's talk about the tomboy raising your daughter to do the hunting and the fishing and and all that. Which, okay, preface that that's it's not a bad thing. No, um, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But again, this is the line: Are you treating your daughter like a pretty, pretty princess? Or are you treating her like a boy? And there has to be a line. At some point, raising your little girl to to do all these masculine things, at some point, her body starts changing. And her emotions and her hormones start changing. And then as a father, you have absolutely no idea what to <laughs> do with this now woman because you have treated her like a little boy ever since. And we get this sense of, I mean, especially now, the whole mentality behind the feminist movement 
and stuff leading out of the feminist movement of equality and doing stuff like that of we are we are trying to make women strong therefore we're making them masculine and we think that if we make them masculine they will be strong why well okay we look at nature and we look at man and we're masculine therefore we're strong but that's the complete opposite for women you turn women masculine and you're actually degrading them and you are weakening them a woman is truly strong when she is truly biblically feminine and if, and if we can't see that in culture at all and again that's I'd, not to say they don't hunt they don't like the outdoors they don't well and here's the thing like shooting gu- like that's not the issue here i don't think no, is what you, you're saying you you raise your girls to get dirt under her fingernails i mean again what did eve help adam do she was in the garden with him right um but there there again there are roles predominantly it is not the woman's role to go out and to hunt the deer that's the man's job the man is that i mean again going back to the curse the man's curse is to toil in the soil and we're going to be fighting back the weeds and the thorns and the the bristles everything that's our job now the woman is to help us in our quest mm-hmm. but that's our job we'll go to proverbs 31 the proverbs 31 woman um we look through and we read everything that a a true biblical woman is supposed to do but then there's pitfalls on both sides there's the the man who reads proverbs 31 is like oh this is the woman this is the woman i want and if no woman meets that then i don't want her it's like okay take a step back sir (laughs) that is a very noble noble thing to do but that woman is not going to be a true proverbs 31 woman unless she marries a godly man right and what that means is she needs a godly man who is able to take that headship role to lead her the way that she's supposed to. She will then turn into that woman. Now, yes, going back to the man's side of looking for a woman, you're looking for raw materials. You are not going to find a woman who meets these qualifications. You're not. And the reason being is because she has to have a godly man to help fulfill all of this but you do have to find a woman that has the raw materials that are able to do it so again there's a give and take there is a line okay yeah the ditches for both men and women the this side of men who are looking at women is you have to meet this expectation of mine or i don't want you the the other side of the women who are like i don't meet this expectation i'm reading through proverbs 31 and i don't meet a lot of this what am i doing wrong so well for one Yes, read through it. Look at what a Proverbs 31 woman does. But also realize that that is not just one woman in, in, in her one point in life. Proverbs 31 woman is her entire life. When it talks about the woman going outside of the home and finding land and purchasing that land and doing all these things, she is ordering her servants to do these things. I, a lot of times I read through that and I'm like, this, this woman, her children were grown up. And I, my wife and I, we talk about that a lot. There, there are times in a woman's life where she's not going to be able to fulfill all these things that Proverbs 31 says. And it, she has to take it in steps. She has to take it in increments. And she's not going to be able to go out and probably make those land purchases and help with all these things until her children are grown up. So for the women, don't read that and be so overwhelmed being like, I'm never going to meet those expectations. And again, don't try to look at those expectations and be like, I can't do that on my own. It's like, well, no, you can't. 
you have to have a godly man to help you in that. And likewise, a godly man needs a godly woman to help him in his quest. That's the whole point of why God created Eve for Adam. God gave this great commission, the first great commission to to Adam and Adam and Eve, but giving it to Adam as in, you're going to do this. And I can almost imagine, granted, not that this would happen because it might be blasphemous, I don't know. But looking at Adam giving him this command and he's like looking around at all the animals (laughs) and be like, that's cool and all, but like, how do I do that? And, And God being like, exactly. Let me show you how. Fashions Eve gives her to him and being like, this is your great commission. This is who you, you need to do it with. You are to be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion over the earth. That is the literally the quest of man. It is man's job to go out into the world to push the bounds of the world to then set roots, grow a family, die there, and then send his sons forth mm-hmm. too. And again, this gets into so many different things, trying to trying to yeah. bring it back. Uh, so we're getting close to where we need to put yeah. a put a lid on it exactly. and, and stop it for today. Which which we are. I, I want to I want to go into this a little bit too. Um, going into the this the single single mother side. The again trying to trying to be practical, trying to be helpful because the, this is a, a sobering thing. And uh, so really quick, I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 through 7. It says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and nev- never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. What is this saying? This is talking about women who their, their husbands have died. Or, again, we're talking about just mentally the husbands have died. Spiritually, the husbands have died and they're dead, they're gone. When we look at accounts where Peter talks about how women are the weaker sex, Paul talks about how there, there's a reason why men are supposed to be the head. And, and Paul says, Satan went to Eve. Eve was deceived. Adam was not. There's a reason why Satan did not go to Adam, because he would not have been deceived the same way. And so Paul writing Timothy about this, he's warning him. He's basically saying, okay, th- this is how you're to speak to the women. Th- this, is, this is their desire to sin. This is the things that Satan is going to be tempting them with. This is how you combat it. And we see how these wolves on, I, you can go to YouTube, you can go to podcasts, whatever it may be, when women don't have that head the way that God has intended it to, and and I'm I'm not saying it's your fault. Please don't please don't take it that way. But the the man failed. Your man failed, and he did not do what God was commanding him to do. So now it falls on you, with your children. And so now you're seeking ways to raise your children, teach your children biblical godly things. And this happens. Among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened by sins. And they start telling you that. Don't take responsibility. None of it's your fault. Doing exactly what Satan did to Eve. And, okay, not tempting you with, you can be like God. But these women that are burdened with, I have to raise my children. And I have to do it extra, extra hard. And I have to be extra purposeful because now I don't have a husband and this father figure role to do this. Again, going back to, that's why you need to find a godly men, godly men within your church to do this brief pause. That's why I am trying to surround myself and my children 
with godly men. So that if, God forbid, if God says my time is over and I go home, and so now my wife and my children are without a father, I have set up men around them to now will raise my my sons to do what they're supposed to do, to take their role to raise women or to to lead women. <laughs> well, even daughters. Okay, well, yeah, yeah, raise women, yeah. fine. The way that it's supposed to show my daughters what to look for in a man. And this is important. So going back, try not to jump too much of these men, these wolves are leading these women astray and they're always learning, but they're never coming to the truth. And this is why it is important to have a godly man to be able to, and a lot of times it's your pastor. You have to have a godly pastor that you're able to go to and say, hey, I'm, I'm learning this. Uh, I'm, I'm watching this guy on YouTube or, or I'm reading this book and it's it's saying this. To be able to have a godly pastor that's able to look at you and say, throw that book away, burn it. <laughs> yeah, that, that book is heretical. That book is telling you things that are not of God. Or this teacher is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Quit listening to him. Why? Because the women are more easily deceived. And this is not my words. This is scripture. Women are more easily deceived than men. And you have to find a godly man or godly men to be able to help you with this. And so, okay, I'm I'm, I'm stopping here. <laughs> Talking about modesty, for me, again, this just goes back to fatherhood. Right. This goes to the lack of fathers. Women who are able to walk out of their house dressed immodestly. The the boys who are able to walk out of their house dressed immodestly, because, acting immodestly. By the way, men and boys can dress immodestly as well. Yes. Just so you know. For for me, it's okay, which we'll get into when we talk about dress, um, physical dress. But a lot of times the man, it's not so much the physical dress that it's immodest. It is his character. It is his character and the way he presents himself that is immodest. And we will harp on that. But again, going back, it is the lack of fathers. The fathers being able to look at the girl and say, no, get back up in your room. You're going to put something else on. To look at his his son before he goes out. Sure, his son might have jeans and a shirt on, but he's able to look at his son and if need be, grab him by his shirt and say, boy, you do not present yourself this way not just dress, you do not present your character this way. That is, for for me, looking at my almost three-year-old, I look at him and say, that is not how loops act. That is not how a son of the king acts. And that is not how my son is going to act. And I look at him and say, yes, sir, as in a question. And he looks at me and says, yes, sir. I'm like, okay, he gets it. My, my girls, they get it. Yeah. When my girls come out and say, can I wear this? And okay, they're they're four, almost five, and six, and a lot of what they're wearing is, is innocent. Of course. Um, yeah. I'm like, uh, put a skirt on. You, you have you have a a you have pants on, but they're they're tighter. And yes, you might be four, <laughs> but it's setting the tone but early. I am instilling yeah. in yeah, them. Yeah. You are covering things up. Yeah. Set the tone early. Setting the tone. And basically, what I have to end is we're taught to lower our standards and not to expect a virgin when we get married. And just to end with that, of how our standards have been so lowered to think that as as we're growing up, not to even expect a, a man who has saved himself, not to even expect a woman who has saved herself. And therefore, your standards have been lowered. So you're like, well, then what's the point? Right. And fathers, and mothers too, but fathers, 
it is your job to instill in your children these qualities, to instill in your children this character, godly character, godly qualifications, to be a wonderful mother and a wonderful wife, to be a wonderful father and a wonderful husband. And these next several weeks, we're going to be diving into all of this. Well, we do appreciate you guys listening. I want to real quick. I forgot to mention this earlier. We're gonna. I'm gonna shift gears here. I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, I, I was um, I was attacked on Facebook this week by your wife and mother-in-law, <laughs> and uh, yeah, over over some comments that were made about the get your truth right, Brad. <laughs> I, did, I did. I put on. She they corrected me on the timeline, uh, and I said I know my truth, and then. Your wife was like, okay, there was no such thing as your truth. There's truth, and then there's your lies, and you must remember your lies. And I'm just like, you know what? So here's what I'm just going to say uh, in that regard. Um, I'm doubling down. No, I'm kidding. But I just thought it was a really <laughs> funny interaction. I enjoyed that. <laughs> so thank you to Emily and Kathy for correcting me and putting me the error of my ways, pointing it out. <laughs> I will say I did actually find out at a soccer game that part was true. I just, in my mind, it was a couple days after, but apparently it was the next day. It was the next day. Which, by the way, kudos to Emily for the next day being at the soccer field. Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Wow. My wife's a hoss. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's all I got for you there. Uh, so, shout out to you two for putting me in my place, although I've still wanted to double down and triple down on my thoughts all good right. luck good luck <laughs> uh so thank you guys for listening really appreciate it. like i said jump on our, uh, social medias find us like us subscribe five star reviews on apple and spotify that would be great and we will read those on the air if you give them to us so thank you guys again for listening we will see you all next week we're going to dive into second first timothy chapter three first three i think is where we I think we are ended yeah. off ended up at, ended verse two and we're going to finish first or start We're going to start verse 3 next week. So we will see you guys then. In the meantime, stay stay rooted. rooted.